Welcome to the Big Red Zone Podcast, Episode 2. I am one of your hosts, Max. And I am your other host, Brad. And we are so happy to have you here today. We've got a great show. And joining us today is a very special friend of the show, our good buddy, and our resident Chargers fan, Rowie Derry. Thanks for having me, boys. Happy to be here. Hey, you know, we're happy to have you here, just as long as uh, your takes are good. Hey, no bias here. <laughs> yeah, so we do have a great show today. Uh, first, we're going to talk about some latest breaking news uh, that just got released in the last few days. Uh, then we're going to spend the majority of the show recapping the Super Bowl, which was five days ago. Uh, it feels like it was just yesterday to me. But and- don't worry. We will absolutely finish with y'all's favorite segment, Max and Brad's Hot Takes. So let's start the show. Well, J.J. Watt is out of Houston. The Houston lifer and one of the best defensive players of our generation has been released. What are your guys' thoughts? If I'm J.J. Watt, I like the move a lot. If I'm Deshaun Watson, I'm begging him to take me with him. I mean, it's crazy to think that by the end of this offseason, we could have the three Watt brothers on one team. Because obviously, TJ Watt and Derek Watt, who actually came from the Chargers to Pittsburgh, are now both on the Pittsburgh Steelers. It should be very interesting. And that would make an already great defense in Pittsburgh even better. They lost uh, Bud Dupree for an ACL tear this past season, and he's an upcoming free agent. So if they could reunite the Watt brothers on the defensive line and Derek with the big man blocking up front. It's going to be an interesting look if he does go to the Steelers. For sure. Obviously, there are a lot of teams where he can go to, but I think the most interesting part of this is sort of where are the Texans right now? They lost one of their cornerstones for the past few years. And as we covered last show, like Right now, they're sort of in no man's land with the Deshaun Watson drama going on. So are they throwing in the towel? And I really just want to add here, J.J. Watt was not just a cornerstone of this team. He was an icon for this city. Absolutely. I mean, like if you go back to like some of like the recent events that have happened in the last couple of years, like J.J. Watt has been there for Houston time and time again. And if I'm a Houston fan, he is a big, big loss. Yeah, it really brings into question with Jack Easterby's new leadership of that team, whether he's really qualified to lead the team. Because if you think about it, you bring up Houston, but, you know, the fall of the Houston Texans, what about, like, the fall of Houston sports in general? And I feel like Jack Easterby's just furthering that motto. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the the Rockets lost Harden just recently. They're big star for the last few years. J.J. Watt is out the door really on his own terms to look for a team so he's not being traded out of town uh and i'm guessing he wanted this move like like we could see over the the last few games of the season even at the start when he had a falling out with bill o'brien he sort of lost his faith that the team had faith with him there's that iconic moment when i I think it was towards the end of the season when him and deshaun watson are walking off the field and I don't remember the exact words, but J.J. Watt looks over at Deshaun and he says, sorry for wasting one of your years. J.J. Watt, I feel like, realized that Deshaun, Watt, uh, Deshaun Watson's window is currently open, but with the Texans' leadership and the team around him, I just think he realizes it's not going to happen there. I think he's just at that point in his career, in his Hall of Fame career at that, where he just wants the ring. 
Yeah, and I I'm really interested to see where he goes. I mean, like there are a good amount of options. I mean, it would be in such Rams fashion for them to throw away. I I don't know if they have another first round pick to give. At least not for the. Well, next they game. don't have to give him a pick. He can just come right in. Like it's really just. I don't even think it's who pays him the most. I think it's just where does he feel he can get a ring? Completely. Because at the end of the day, he's got the resume. He. He doesn't necessarily need to ring chase because he's already, I think, one of the most respected defensive talents and, I mean, also just people uh, in the in the NFL in the last 20 years at least. But I think that he wants to add a ring because that's just the competitive fire in him. So I know that you and I were talking about this a bit earlier, but in your guys' opinion, if your goal is a ring, what do you think is the best team to do that right now? Personally, I think that's the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills looks like they are going to potentially drop Trent Murphy, who a lot of Buffalo Bills fans, I'm from the upstate New York area, by the way, so I have a little bit of insight, but a lot of Buffalo Bills fans are kind of disgruntled with Trent Murphy's contract. They think he's overpaid. Get a new edge rusher in there. Get that veteran locker room presence. I think J.J. Watt to the Bills would make a lot of sense for both parties. Yeah, I mean, the Bills sort of lack that standout defensive presence on their D-line. Uh, they took Ed Oliver in the draft a couple of years ago to be a star. Uh, he's been all right. He hasn't really been that stalwart monster on the D-line they've been looking for. J.J. Watt isn't necessarily that defensive player of the year candidate at this point that he was at the start of his career. But you can put him on the Bills. He'd be great. And he'd really like fit what I think their locker room is trying to do, like build up that Bills culture. He's like... He's sort of in the mold of Josh Allen. Like he, he's a great locker room guy, and he will just give them their defense a leader that they really need. For sure, and um, you know, I, 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 I could go easy here and say you want to win a ring, go to the Chiefs. But I'm gonna actually go against uh, some of the opinions I was making in the last show and say if he really wants a ring, I think the Bucks are the team to go to. I mean, they are a good, really good team in a NFC that's not having a lot of other teams as as good success yeah i mean if you look at the bucks like really most of the key pieces they've attracted have been sort of these older stars uh and jj white isn't washed up by any means so he's still an absolute contributor but i think that he would love to play with tom brady and tom brady would love to play with him and it'd almost be a match made in heaven so roey do you think this changes deshaun watson does like does it change anything there if anything, if I'm Deshaun Watson, I'd want to leave more. I mean, J.J. Watt obviously had an easier out. I think, I believe his contract kind of just fizzled out, so he's able to walk away. I think Deshaun Watson is now really the only big personality, big-time, prime-time personality in that locker room. I would want out if I'm Deshaun Watson even more. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, I think Deshaun is personally out. I think this is a team sort of saying, like, we know there's no future here with the current core. And JJ, they probably couldn't get a package for him. So I think this is really out of respect. Like they let him go so he could sort of go out on his own terms. And I think Deshaun is next. I actually have one more team I want to throw out there uh, before we sort of move on. Do it. And this is a little bit out of left field, but I think the fit kind of makes sense. Uh, I'm going to throw out the Washington football team. Mm, interesting. They, They've built their team from the defensive line up, and they have a lot of young stars, but they also have a departing free agent in Ed Rusher, Ryan Kerrigan. And 
J.J. Watt can sort of step in and fill that veteran presence and be an absolutely fantastic mentor to Chase Young. So, great fit. Completely agree. Would really continue to make that defensive front a cornerstone for that team. And I like the coach, like the team. That being said, I really don't see J.J. Watt going there just because I don't think he would pick them if his goal here is to really win a ring. And even if they offered him a large sum of money, as you were saying earlier, I mean, I just don't know that he's really doing this for the money at this point. I think he really wants to get that ring. The ring's important, and I think that the Washington football team actually have a good future, and I think their Super Bowl window opens after next year. Um, But I think that he wants to sort of be a mentor, as he has been, for much of his career, sort of be that character guy, and I think that's where he could really do it. The one issue, and I'll, I'll preface this by saying, love the fit. The one issue I see, though, we have two guys wearing the number 99. We saw when Chris Godwin, Ooh. when Tom Brady went to the Buccaneers, Chris Godwin gave up number 12 to get to number 14, and Tom Brady told Chris Godwin, give me that number and I'll get you a Super Bowl. And did he? He did it. So, if... Another Hall of Fame player, J.J. Watt, goes to the Washington football team. Does he say, hey, go down to 99, Chase Young. I'll get you that Super Bowl. 98, Chase Young. I think Chase Young was number two in college, wasn't he? I could be mistaken about that. I I, I wouldn't know, but... I I just personally think the, the fit's really good, and I think their culture... I keep coming back to this culture thing, but I really sort of think... Like, when I think J.J. Watt, I think ultimate NFL character guy. And I, I just personally love it. I'm a big fan of this. And I got to say, who wouldn't want to play for the GOAT Taylor Heineke? Hey, how about That's that true. contract? Let's go. Clap it up. Clap it up. Let's go, Taylor. Taylor Heineke against Tom Brady was probably one of my favorite games of this last year's playoffs. I was rooting for Taylor Heineke. He gave him the biggest fight. He gave him the biggest fight out of any of the quarterbacks he faced. And he faced... Great quarterbacks. When we're talking Breeze, Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, these are not throwaway quarterbacks. And that's what I'm saying. That's why I think the Washington football team's Super Bowl window opens sooner than we think. But I, for one, really hope he gets a chance to compete for that starting job. And I think he will. I think he earned that. I don't know if he'll win it, but we'll see. So, speaking of the postseason... How about that game we saw on Sunday? Which game again? Can you remind me? Oh, yeah. That would be yeah, the Super Bowl. Oh, right. I yeah. think the Celtics played the Suns, if, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. So, the Bucks beat the Chiefs 31-9. to We made some hot takes about the game last week that it was going to be one of the highest scoring some Super of Bowls them of all time. were very close. Yeah, some of our takes were pretty spot on. It was sadly not the highest scoring, nor the most competitive Super nor Bowl we've seen. That's true. But what are some key takeaways that you guys have seen? Brady's only opponent right now is Father Time. That's my biggest takeaway. He looked vintage Brady. He looked playoff Brady. In the first half. In the first half. But really, he did what he had to do the entire yeah. game. And when you're up by that much, does it really, does it really matter that you keep playing to mm. that point? He was vintage Brady when he needed to be vintage Brady. Absolutely. He didn't have to pass in the second half. How about that O-line, though? Like, Tristan Wirth showed up to play. And if you look at the Tampa Bay defensive line, which completely wreaked havoc on Patrick Mahomes. I called that, by the way. He did. Saying. He did call that. Go back and listen. 
you're seeing players like Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul who are getting paid but on more modest contracts. Meanwhile, you see Frank Clark on the Chiefs who's getting like who has an 100 million dollar contract and I believe. And Chris Jones. And Chris Jones. And I believe Frank Clark had only five sacks on the season and was pretty much a non-factor. And I actually all season. saw a stat recently and apologize if I'm getting this slightly wrong, but I'm almost certain that Tristan Wirfs started every single game this season and only let up one sack over the last most recent games. I think it might have been five or six. That is incredible for a rookie. Really incredible. Yeah, I mean, they have gems. Not only, really, the core of this team is sort of that like older bunch. Brady, uh, Evans is a vet, Gronk, AB. But... If you look at what the future of this team is, it's not really those guys. Sort of, as you mentioned, we have Tristan Wirfs. As we talked about last week, we have Devin White, Sean Murphy Bunting, Carlton Davis. Those guys showed up, showed out, and it was really on the defensive side that the Bucks won this game. Brady was clinical, but their defense played incredibly. Yeah, I mean, I think you'd almost be disrespectful to not talk about the brilliancy of the, of the Bucks' defense in that game. Yeah, I mean, we saw really the stars of the show was that D-line. But Devin White and Levante David were absolutely monstrous. At the end of the day, Kelsey had a good statistical game, but most of that came in the fourth quarter in garbage time. The linebackers did a fantastic job on him. And when I was talking about their young players, I didn't even mention Antoine Winfield, who had that big interception in the end. How about that peace sign? Yeah, the taunting. That was fantastic. I'm a fan of it. Honestly, I am a fan of it. I was not super keen on Tyreek Hill backflipping into the end zone in, I think it was the second quarter. Maybe it was the first quarter. He scored a lot in that game. Yeah. And their first matchup with the Chiefs. I'm sorry, with the, with the Bucs because he's on the Chiefs. Um, but I love this, that he gave him the peace sign. You know, like, competitive spirit. And I think we saw from both teams just a little bit of a, you know, competitive spirit coming out. I, I know I said no bias in the beginning, but... Being a Chargers fan, being in the AFC West, I've been on the wrong side of that peace sign for too long. I was Antoine Will Winfield made a statement for all the Broncos fans, Chargers fans, Raiders fans, everyone else whose Tyreek has torched this season. I'm happy. I'm proud of him. I think Brady also made a statement, at least to uh, at least to Tyranny Matthew. Yeah, Brady got feisty. This was a we've always seen Brady be competitive. Uh, that's sort of part of what makes him so special uh part of what makes him the goat but this game is like like it came out competitive brady came out to play he got under the chief skin especially tyron matthews and uh how brady handled that game handled the competition he he started their conflict and the penalty was thrown on tyron matthews sort of those mental intangibles helped propel the bucks to the game i know this is a really obscure moment but one of my favorite moments in the game was just you looked at it in the first quarter. Both the Chiefs and the Bucks had kind of had like four and outs, maybe one first down. And we saw angry Brady. I mean, he was livid. And you just knew that he was about to do something about it. Because when you see that face, you know that the score is not saying the way it is. This kind of uh, made me think about a couple years back, I believe, when Kevin Byard, who was then the safety as well of the Titans, 
said before the game against Brady in the playoffs that I believe he said something like, we're going to make Brady look like Blake Bortles. Something about Tom Brady, he has a soft spot for safeties coming at him, and he will not let him forget it. Today, actually, in fact, I saw a video of some guy on the Lions who taunted Brady. This was many years back, and Brady went on to throw three or four touchdowns against him. Brady has some sort of vengeant part of him that just, he, he can't drop these things. He takes it personally. He really does. He really, really does. But, you know, talk, going back to that Bucks defense for a sec, what does this mean for Todd Bowles? I mean, that was a hell of a game call. It was a really, really good game call. And do you think it opens up any opportunities for him in the future? Oh, in the future, absolutely. And, I mean, we sort of talked about it last game, sort of how do you go about containing Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, and this explosive Chiefs offense. And we posed the question – was relying on that defensive line enough and really it was and Todd Bowles learned that he really didn't blitz much at all that game didn't have to no he didn't have to he put his trust in his guys and it 1000% paid off and that's just smart coaching right there sort of adapting and overcoming and I think not this season but next season especially if the Bucks continue playing as they are Todd Bowles will put his failures on the Jets behind him and probably propel himself to a coaching job. What do you think, Roy? I think Todd Bowles is probably one of the best, if not the best, defensive coordinators in the league. That being said, and Max, you referenced this a little bit, I think it's tough to forget a little bit of his woos on the Jets. I know that the Jets have honestly been kind of a hard team to coach past few years, and no, I am not a Gase apologist, but you know, it is what it is. But I feel like some guys are just built for defense, and I don't know if Tom Brady is the head coach type. I think just him as a defensive coordinator, he can pretty much have any job he wants in that domain. You know, I think I'm going to answer my own question here with a no. I I, I don't know that I see Todd Bowles um, yet getting any opportunities as a head coach. And when I say yet in the next two, three years, I need to see Todd Bowles with a defense that's not flooded with a bunch of stars. I need to see how he does with a defense that's just pretty good so that you can see what he can do. Well, hey, hey, to give him credit... Before this season, no one was talking about the Bucks' defense as being flooded with talent, you know? After the fact, it's easy to point out at Shaq Barrett or Antoine Winfield. Coming into this season, you know, I, I didn't even know who Antoine Winfield Jr. was. I knew who his dad was, but not the not the son. So That's a good point. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that has made Todd Bowles' work on this defense so special has been his coaching up of, of the young guys. Uh, really, like, his faith in Carlton Davis, even after Tyree killed towards him. I mean, we don't really think of him as a character guy, but sort of putting his trust in his guys to make big plays in the big moments. And who knows, that reputation, sort of like Robert Sala, right? If he's willing to motivate his guys to go out there and play for him, put their heart on the line, he could get a job somewhere. So, guys, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, let's talk about the Chiefs. He tried so hard to have his receivers catch the ball. He legitimately threw balls at their face masks in the hopes they could catch the ball. He threw a pass horizontal to the ground. He was in midair, horizontal to the ground, and threw a pass that landed right on the wide receiver's jersey. Several times. Multiple times. There are times when... 
you know, Tom, Br- I mean, uh, Patrick Mahomes will make a cute little sidearm or that classic Chiefs, like, flip play to Tyreek Hill. And, you know, the announcers will go crazy. They'll show, like, an eight-minute highlight reel of Patrick Mahomes' two-yard throws. And I'll be like, all right, enough, you know? Actually, tangent, before one game, you know, Patrick Mahomes was throwing out a gum wrapper, I believe, in the trash can. He missed the trash can. And the camera zoomed on him, picking up the tra- uh, the piece of gum wrapper and throwing it back in. The announcers went crazy. They were like, look at this guy's character. You know, this is the type of guy you want on their team. Any single Patrick Mahomes moment, the announcers, you know, Tony Romo, whoever it is, they'll make the biggest deal out of it. But back to the point, when I saw that horizontal throw that landed in the dude's face mask, I was like, you know, there's nothing I can say. This guy is something different. I just felt sorry for him. Yeah, I mean... Let's be clear, this loss wasn't on Mahomes. He made some bad throws, especially early in the game. Uh, There's one specifically to McCole Hardman where it just landed short. There A screen play to McCole Hardman where it just landed short. And then there was one deep play to McCole Hardman where Hardman got turned around, but it was also an errant throw. So he did make some mistakes. But at the end of the game, he was 100% putting his body on the line. He was making these so this throws that absolutely no one can make he was running for his life i'm pretty sure he ran the length of the football field in one play so trying to get away from the defense so i don't think any other quarterback in his position would have done more in this game i think it really came down to their o-line was injured the bucks defense was too good and really the the chiefs players did make mistakes it was those penalties those holding calls but their receivers dropped the ball, literally and figuratively. I completely agree with you, Max. And just to piggyback on that point that he couldn't have tried more, I believe I saw a statistic that in terms of how far he ran, Patrick Mahomes ran the most out of any QB in Super Bowl history. You know, we'll never really know for sure, but... It's hard not to wonder if complacency played a role here. I mean, the Chiefs hadn't lost a game, or had lost one of their last 23 games, or something like that. Did they get a little bit cocky? Hey, 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 the Chargers did beat Chad Henney. They did. Anything is possible, but not against the Chargers. Patrick Mahomes had won his last, like, 22, 23 games in a row. Did these players simply get cocky? Did they get arrogant? What do you guys think? Do you think that was a factor? I'm going to say no. I think it, like I sort of just mentioned, it came down to stupid mistakes. Uh, We heard Tony Romo talk about it. This defense has sort of been eh all year. They've been prone to these holding penalties. And that's sort of something else that I kind of want to segue into, which is whether these penalties like these crazy holding calls, these crazy PI calls that are very controversial. There's always holding calls on every single play. Yeah. I think we can all agree, 90, 95% of plays, there's holding. Do the refs see it? That's the question. Yeah, but I think the Chiefs, even though some may have been iffy, some might have been on the line, some of these calls, there's no doubt that they let the heat of the moment get the best of them. And I don't think it was complacency. I think it was the Bucks intelligence and i think the chiefs honestly got frustrated i mean the o-line of the chiefs was pretty banged up coming into this game so if you really think about one area where you know the the chiefs really lost it was at the o-line you know if the if the chiefs o-line was intact i think this would have been a completely different ballgame so i would love to wrap up our super bowl recap segment here by asking the question 
is Patrick Mahomes able to still one day be the GOAT? And when I say the GOAT, I'm talking better than Brady. I'm saying the best player to ever play the game in the NFL. And with the way we consider Brady, maybe even the, even the best player to play sports in general. Can he still get there, or did this loss take that away? Well, I think in a lot of ways, this game was the tiebreaker match because barring another Chiefs, Bucks, you know, Super Bowl, and you know, how often does a repeat for both teams making the Super Bowl happen? Barring another one of those situations, like it's safe to say that Tom Brady has the tiebreaker. And what I mean by that is if Patrick Mahomes somehow magically posts seven Super Bowls over the next 15, 20 years, I think he's going to need that eighth to supersede Tom Brady. Even if he gets that eighth, I don't know that Patrick Mahomes can ever be considered the GOAT. He lost to Brady head-to-head. Yeah, I honestly personally don't think so. And I don't think what Brady has done, no matter how talented Mahomes is, is necessarily replicable. Because I think soon, maybe not in the next few years, Travis Kelsey is going to fall off, at least a little bit. Tyreek Hill is going to have to get paid. Their massive contracts are going to catch up to them at least a little bit. And even if Patrick Mahomes wins these eight Super Bowls, sort of like you're saying, I don't think... His talent is largely reliant on how elusive he is, how big his arm is. And when those start to fade, which I think at an older age, they will, unlike a lot of Brady's talents, which are more mental, I just don't think he can necessarily catch him. I don't know that it's a fair thing to say that, you know, he might not be good when he's older. I mean, I think Patrick Mahomes is as rare as they come in talent. I think he's a really, really, really good football player. The reason that I just don't think he can do it is because in 40 years, no one's going to remember really, you know, who, who, like how many. I think it's going to come down to like when they played head-to-head, which not great quarterbacks have always had the opportunity to do. We never saw a Brady-Joe Montana game. Like we, we, we can't know what that would have happened. We know what happened when Brady faced Patrick Mahomes. I think it's going to be hard to hard to ignore. And can we recognize for a second that this is Tom Brady's first year on a new team, first year in the NFC. Like With you, COVID, no training camp. Exactly. You brought up Joe Montana. Joe Montana in the back end of his career after kind of Steve Young took over, he went to the Chiefs. Joe Montana didn't win the Super Bowl there. Yeah. Tom Brady, in his first year on a new team without OTAs, as you mentioned, won the Super Bowl. And I can't believe I'm saying this, especially on a recorded podcast, but I kind of want to see Brady win it again. So speaking to that, uh, I just sort of want to talk really quickly about where these teams go from here. Like we see Brady said it himself at the Super Bowl MVP interview. He's coming back. Uh, He made a TikTok about it too in an Instagram video, which by the way, Brady hammered uh, at their Super Bowl parade is the funniest oh thing I've ever seen. Gosh. How about him throwing the trophy? Yeah. Have a little bit more of that avocado road. tequila, am I right? Yeah. So, really, I think the Bucs are trying to roll roll it back as much as possible. Chris Godwin's a free agent. Shaq Barrett's a free agent. Chris Godwin, I think they're going to try and bring back. Bruce Arians said it himself at the Super Bowl parade. Shaq Barrett might be a little out of their price range. Might try to get J.J. Watt. We'll see. Same with Levante David, too. Absolutely. So I really think the Bucs are going to try and roll this team back. But what about the Chiefs? Where do they go from here? Should they be considered the favorites next season? Chiefs will be back in it, I'm sure of it. I, I don't know that I want to say right now whether they'll get back to the Super Bowl. They'll absolutely be in the playoffs. And I do think that 
it's very likely to say that the the path to the Super Bowl will run through Arrowhead. I agree with you. I think it's safe to say that next year the Chiefs will still be at the top of the NFL, especially the top of the AFC. But what I'm a bit more concerned about is two, three, four years down the road when, you know, Travis Kelsey, he's 31. That's Gronk's age. I know he's looking a lot better than Gronk right now, and he's not switching his shirts for sprints and stuff, <laughs> but he's getting he's getting there to that retirement age. And Tyreek Hill, who knows if they'll be able to pay him because they are also paying Chris Jones, Frank Clark, other guys. So who knows, uh, you know, if they'll be able to maintain all these contracts. So I don't think we can uh, let you guys go without doing... Max and Brad's hot takes. Now featuring Rowie. <laughs> <laughs> so our hot take this week is sort of going to be segueing off what we just talked about. We just had a Super Bowl, right? That's in the past. That's history. Who's going to be in the Super Bowl next year? But not just anyone. It It's easy to say the Bucks will be back with Tom Brady. It's easy to say the Chiefs will be back take. with Holmes. It's not a hot take. So we are planting our flags right here, right now, each of us on a dark horse team that we think will make the Super Bowl. And speaking of planting flags, this man is the guy who planted the flag in the Ohio State Stadium, Baker Mayfield. I think the Browns have what it takes. I think the Browns have the juice in Juice Landry to take this team to the Super Bowl. He is a natural, Max. Fits right in with the spiciness (laughs) we love here on the show. You know, I think it could very well happen. I'm going to throw out an option that I think you're going to get really excited about, Rowie. How about that rookie of the year? And Pepsi, zero sugar rookie of the year. <laughs> Can't forget about that. What about the Chargers, baby? I think the Chargers are going to the Super Bowl. Hey, I would personally love that. I'm a big Justin Herbert fan. He's got the arm. He's got the flow. At he's least he's he growing it back. He said he's growing it back. In that case, they're definitely winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> Keenan Allen, he's confirmed, got the heart and beard. Confirmed. I personally think if their defense comes back healthy, this team is locked and loaded for a run. Let me just take you through a concept here. Chargers sign J.J. Watt. Maybe they get a, uh, a nice piece like a Corey Davis to compliment Keenan Allen. Maybe a Gerald Everett from the Rams to get in place. Maybe a Juju to get a little of that dancing action going. Get a little bit of that dancing in there. Let me pose you a concept. Ryan Fitzpatrick comes into the fourth quarter of the AFC Championship, slings the ball without even looking. He doesn't even have to have his pads on. He can go out there with a cigarette in his mouth, smoking Jay Cutler. It doesn't matter who he's throwing to. He can have Devontae Parker. He can have Mike Gesicki. Or he can have some dude sign off with the nearest Walmart. It does not matter. The Dolphins are next year's Super Bowl champs. You heard it here first. And I can joke all I want about Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's not the quarterback of this team. It's Tua Tagovailoa. I think he takes steps forward. I think this defense continues their ascension into really one of the top units in the league. I think they get to a go-to receiver in either Allen Robinson or Kenny Galladay. And you heard it here first, the Dolphins are Super Bowl champs next year, led by Brian Flores, former Patriot disciple. I gotta say, there's nothing in the world that would bring me more joy than seeing Ryan Fitzpatrick hosting the Lombardi Trophy. 
He is the ultimate gamer. When I think of Ryan Fitzpatrick, I don't think of the guy that came out of Harvard. I think of the guy that after a game, I believe he was on the Bucks at this point, came out with Deshaun Watson's gold chain and told everyone to stay humble. He is the ultimate gamer, the ultimate closer. If he's coming in against Tom Brady, Shmon Brady, Patrick Mahomes, whoever in the fourth quarter, they are winning that game. And all of our teams were from the AFC, so I'll throw out a quick bonus hot take, which I think avid listeners of the show will 100% expect. I've talked about this team both this episode and last, I, I, last, I've talked about their GOAT starting quarterback. I think the Washington football team, Uh-oh. led by Taylor Heineke, Uh-oh. will make a run in the playoffs and be one of the contenders for the NFC Championship. You heard it here, folks. Sign J.J. Watt, mentor Chase Young, start Taylor Heineke. That is our show, people. That is our show. Thank you very much for listening, and we can't wait to see you back next week. Our show has been sponsored by Next Step Prep, nxtsp.com.